Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. It's been a glorious weekend, hasn't it? Um, let's pray that uh, God would help us to take on board his words, uh, even after maybe a bit too much time in the sunshine. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you that your word is more precious than gold. And we pray that you'd help us to really believe that this evening. And uh, we pray that we might listen carefully. Uh, we pray that uh, it wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other ear, uh, but that it would really sink into our hearts. And um, we pray you'd give us energy to, to grapple with your word tonight uh, after a, a weekend uh, in the great weather that you've blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. We've probably heard um, the word wellness bandied around. Uh, it's a bit of a, a buzzword these days. Uh, there's a global wellness day. Uh, there are wellness resorts. Uh, there's apparently a Newcastle wellness center. Uh, apparently the global wellness market is worth one and a half trillion dollars globally, and it's rapidly expanding. And uh, uh, there's some fairly random things that count as part of that market, apparently. Um, so uh, for example, uh, uh, if you flick the slides on, Melanie, uh, there's these um, organic seaweed eye masks. I think I'd freak out a bit if my wife uh, turned up in some of those. Uh, or uh, next up, uh, you can get placenta pills, where you send off your placenta uh, and get it made into pills after giving birth. Um, kind of thinking it looks a bit like dog food, actually. Um, uh, or my favorite one, uh, the, uh, the tongue patch. Uh, where you get this thing put on your tongue and uh, it's so uncomfortable eating that it makes you lose weight rapidly. It's a genius idea. Um, uh, that does not sound like wellness to me. That just sounds miserable. I don't know about you. Um, but aside from uh, the more wacky uh, side of the wellness market, um, I read a definition uh, of wellness as uh, a deep, meaningful life balance. Uh, people are recognizing, aren't they, that uh, life's not just about getting money uh, or being successful. Uh, we want to be well in our mind and our body, uh, our emotions, our spirit. Uh, we long for all-around wellness. Uh, the person who started Global Wellness Day said, living well is the common dream. So are you well today? Is it well with you? And whatever your answer to that right now, uh, I'm, I'm sure we all want to be well, don't we? We want, to, we want to pursue being well. But it can be elusive. Uh, it can be difficult to grasp. Uh, we think we've got there, uh, and then it disappears. Uh, we think we're there, and then we hit a really stressful patch at work. Uh, or uh, we suddenly have a, a health issue, uh, or mental health challenges, uh, or an injury, or uh, our job uh, uh, changes or, or finances change. Uh, and into all that uh, messiness, all the messiness of life, Jesus uh, walks in uh, and he says to us, do you want to be well? Uh, that, that is why Jesus came, that we might be well. In fact, that's, that's the question that he asks the invalid in this passage here. Uh, verse six, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Uh, and in the original language, uh, it's more like, do you want to be made whole? Uh, most translations translate it as, do you want to be made well? Uh, but let's back up a bit. Uh, we've kind of dived into the story there. Uh, take a look at verse 1. Uh, we read that there's a, a feast of the Jews. 
And so Jesus has gone up to Jerusalem, the center of the Jewish world. Uh, we don't know what festival it was, uh, but uh, there's some sort of um, festival going on. Uh, and most likely, the center of the festivities would have been in the temple. But that's not where Jesus heads, is it? Instead, he heads to a, a pool called Bethesda. And it seems to have become a place where the blind, the lame, uh, and the paralyzed hang out. Uh, the people who had desperate needs. I mean, there wasn't any uh, benefits system back then or, or, or social care. And I can't imagine that it was a place that many people went. It was probably the area of the town that people avoided. Uh, but not Jesus. Uh, instead of going to the crowds at the temple where all the festivities are happening and people enjoying themselves, uh, Jesus heads to this pool. Uh, and why do these people, these invalids uh, and people with health issues uh, all hang out there? Uh, well, it seems that uh, there's this superstition that uh, when the water gets stirred up, uh, whoever gets in there, maybe the first person who gets in there, um, is healed. Uh, it's thought that maybe uh, it was fed by a natural spring or something, and so every now and again, the water gets stirred up. Uh, and so uh, these folks uh, gathered around the pool uh, have got this desperate, uh, almost cruel hope, haven't they, uh, that one day uh, they will be healed. And yet we read verse 5, uh, that the man Jesus speaks to there has been an invalid for 38 years. And we don't know how much of that 38 years he spent sat at the pool, but we're told that Jesus knew he had already been there for a long time. And so Jesus says to the man, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? Seems a bit of a strange question in some ways, doesn't it? I mean, uh, of course this man wants to be made well. That's why he's there. But I don't think Jesus' question is harsh or insensitive. Uh, he's just offering what he has been offering again and again throughout John's Gospel. To the woman at the well, he says, do you want living water? Later on in John's Gospel, he says, I am the bread of life. Come to me, and you'll never be thirsty or hungry again. And so here he says, do you want to be well? That's what Jesus is all about. Now, do you see how the man answers in verse 7? Have a look. Uh, the sick man answered Jesus, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. The invalid is saying, I want to get well, but I just can't get into the pool at the right time. It's interesting, isn't it? All of his trust is in that pool. Uh, and it's completely misplaced. He doesn't realize who it is who is standing before him. And if he wants to get well, uh, he's actually going to have to let go of that pool, isn't he? Uh, the thing he thinks will make him well isn't going to. Uh, and if he's healed, he's going to have to change the whole way that he's lived for the last 38 years. 
And whilst uh, we might um, not struggle with walking, although maybe some of us might, but uh, there are similarities here for us too. Uh, what do we put our hopes in to make us well? What do we think will make us well? What is our pool? Uh, Jesus says, uh, if it's your career, if, if that's your thing, if that's your pool, you've got to let it go. If it's your uh, exam results, uh, if they are your pool, you've got to be willing to let them go. If it's a relationship you're looking to, uh, or your health, or comfort, uh, or even your family, you need to be willing to let go if you want to be well. Uh, none of those things are bad themselves, are they? They're good things. Uh, but if we think that those things are going to make us truly well, uh, then Jesus, he stands before us like he does with this man here. And he says to us, do you want to be well? Uh, are you willing to put your hope, all your hope, in me? And there's, there's power in his question, uh, because next Jesus says, verse 8, uh, he says to the man, get up, take up your bed and walk. 38 years we're told that this man has been an invalid, and yet at Jesus' word, at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. If you've been coming to church uh, for a while, uh, we can get a bit familiar with these miracles, can't we? Uh, but this is, this is incredible. Jesus has the power to do what he says. Uh, he's the real deal. He wasn't just asking some sort of meaningless question. Hoping in Jesus is not futile. But moving on uh, in the story, uh, we get a new paragraph at the end of verse 9 in our Bibles, don't we? Uh, and it starts like this. Now that day was the Sabbath. And what you've got to see here is that this is like John, the author of the gospel, lobbing in a hand grenade at this point. Now I've called it Sabbath shocker. You see, Jesus did this miracle on the Sabbath, and that causes an uproar. Now we're told in the Old Testament that God ordained the Sabbath as a day of rest, a day each week to be remembered and kept holy. Uh, but later, um, uh, the Jewish leaders developed traditions uh, of uh, hundreds of details and tiring rules about what it meant not to work on the Sabbath. And it's continued even right up to this day. Uh, and so many Orthodox Jews, um, they won't even turn on a light switch on the Sabbath. I've even heard of people uh, being brought in off the street to, to turn the lights on. Uh, or they won't turn on an oven. Uh, it's a massive burden on the Sabbath, isn't it? And so the religious leaders back then are furious at what is being done on the Sabbath. Uh, do you see that in verse 10? Uh, they say to the man who's been healed, it's the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to pick up your bed. Now, there's nothing in the Old Testament that says that you shouldn't pick up your bed uh, on the Sabbath. Uh, this man has been healed. Uh, it's extraordinary it's, and it's fantastic. It's something that should be celebrated. And yet all these guys can worry about 
uh, is that he's broken the Sabbath rules that they've made up or that others have made up. Uh, as an aside, it's a warning to us, isn't it? Uh, are there religious rules that we have made legalistic? Uh, the Christian author Don Carson helpfully describes uh, being legalistic as uh, creating a set of rules so that only certain special people, uh, which happens to include us, uh, can play. And those who don't fit are kept out of the holy club. And he, uh, he help, helpfully distinguishes that uh, from being disciplined as Christians. Uh, we're to be disciplined as Christians, aren't we? Uh, we're to seek to grow in following God's ways, uh, like getting well-trained for a football match or, or going for a run. Uh, but we're not to keep others off the pitch uh, by cre- creating an atmosphere uh, where people feel they need to look a certain way or, or do certain things to be part of God's family. Uh, because the truth is, we never earn our place on the team, God's family. Uh, we get it by coming to Jesus, don't we? Let's get back to the passage. Um, the man tells the Jews that it's, it's Jesus who has healed him. And we're told, verse 16, that they are angry at Jesus, aren't they? Uh, to be fair to them, the Sabbath was a big deal. Uh, God said it mattered. And so, verse 17, uh, Jesus makes his defense to them. Uh, what's he going to say to them? Uh, it's not what you might expect. I wonder what you would say if you're accused of doing something on the Sabbath that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, he could have said this, couldn't he? He could have said, um, look, I, I get your concerns, guys, but he wasn't working. He was just picking up his mat. He's just been healed. Uh, or he could have said, look, it, it's okay to do good on the Sabbath. Uh, or stretching it, he could have said, sorry, I, I just forgot the day of the week. I didn't realize it was the Sabbath. And there were so many things that he could have said in reply, couldn't he? But instead, uh, Jesus raises the stakes rather than downplaying things. I wonder if, if you've ever um, heard of the news about some sort of terrorist negotiations happening. Um, uh, yeah, a tense terrorist negotiation, or, or maybe a, a marital dispute that needs sorting out, or maybe uh, you once saw a massive argument at school and a, a teacher goes in to try and sort it out. And um, the word that always pops up, isn't it, is de-escalating the situation. Um, that's what you need to do, de-escalate. But what does Jesus say, verse 17? Jesus answers them, my father is working until now and I am working. It's an outrageous thing to say, isn't it? You see, the Bible makes it clear that um, God sustains and upholds the universe every single second of the day. God is at work sustaining us, sustaining everything. Uh, He makes the earth rotate. Uh, He gives us our every breath. He gives us the rain and the sun for our food. Uh, We are completely dependent on him every minute of the day. Uh, But we're told in the creation account that God rested on the seventh day. 
Uh, but that was resting from his created work, uh, and he was establishing a pattern for us to follow. Uh, but God is always working, always sustaining. Uh, I wonder if uh, anyone here, uh, when it's sunny like this, uh, likes a cheeky nap in the afternoon. Or maybe it's just me having lived in Spain for a year where they do that all the time. Uh, but all of us uh, need to rest, don't we? Maybe not in the afternoon, but at night at least. Uh, and when we rest, uh, when we sleep, uh, it's, a remind, it, it's a reminder to us that we are not God. We cannot go without sleep, can we? Uh, the world does not depend on us. Uh, it depends on him. Uh, he is God, and we are not. And so, do you see what Jesus is saying here? He says, uh, God's working on the Sabbath, and I'm working. I dare to heal on the Sabbath, because I am God. And the Jewish leaders aren't stupid, are they? Do you see that in verse 18? Uh, they get exactly what Jesus is saying. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus doesn't just break the Sabbath rules, he, he ups the stakes, doesn't he? Now, you might have spotted that as we've um, talked about the Sabbath, uh, we've kind of skipped over what happens uh, between the Jewish leaders uh, talking to the healed man uh, and them getting angry at Jesus. Uh, do you see what happens in between in verse 14? Uh, verse 14, we find out that um, after the man has been healed, uh, Jesus heads off to the temple and he finds this man who's been healed. And here's what he says to him. He says, verse 14, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. And now what, what does Jesus mean by that, by saying that to the man? I don't think he's saying that the man's paralysis uh, has been a result of his sin. Uh, Jesus makes it clear elsewhere that uh, our suffering isn't always a result of sin, uh, although it might be. But I wonder, I wonder what you've made of this healed man as you've kind of got to know him through the story. Uh, and, and as you've seen how he responds to being healed, what do you make of him? Uh, on first reading of this passage, uh, I wanted to be generous to him. Uh, but, but the more I think about this, the more I wonder whether Jesus' comment is quite pointed. You see, Jesus doesn't seem to have a habit of finding those he's healed and, uh, and giving them a warning. And you see, we don't hear of this man thanking Jesus, do we? for this amazing healing. And now he may have, but it's not recorded here like it often is in some of the other healings. And, and we find out later on that he doesn't even know Jesus' name when they ask him who he's been healed by. And the biggest thing of all is the way he interacts with the Jewish leaders. Uh, verse 10, they accuse him of uh, being unlawful on the Sabbath. Uh, and what does he do? Well, he, he almost seems to blame it on Jesus, doesn't he? He told me to do it. And then later on, uh, once he finally finds out Jesus' name, uh, and even when he knows that um, they've been annoyed about what's happened on the Sabbath, uh, he tells the Jews that it's Jesus who's healed him. It's almost like he tops Jesus in, doesn't he? 
even after all that Jesus has done for him. And I can't tell that with absolute certainty. Uh, but maybe Jesus does feel that this man needs a warning. I think what Jesus is saying to him is, look, there's something far worse than being paralyzed. Uh, there's life without God, uh, separated from him by our sin, uh, separated from the one who is the source of life and love and all good. And you don't want that. Uh, so be careful. In a sense, Jesus is saying once again, do you want to be well? And I think Jesus' words here are both a, a warning and an encouragement to us, aren't they? Because even though the man is like this, Jesus still heals him, doesn't he? And he still finds him out and warns him. He still cares about him. And the reality is that all of us are undeserving of Jesus' grace. But what we see here is that Jesus cares about this man so much that he's willing to give his life for him. That might not be obvious on first reading, maybe that doesn't seem clear. Uh, but do you see that when Jesus did this miracle on the Sabbath uh, and commanded the paralytic to take up his bed and walk, he, humanly speaking, signed his own death warrants. Verse 18, we're told, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Now, this very healing was a step on the way to the cross. And I'm sure Jesus wasn't naive to that. So why did Jesus come? Now, he came to be a sacrifice. He came to make a way so that you, so that we can be made well. So that we can be well with God, made whole for eternity. And friends, look, there is no wellness regime uh, or holiday or career uh, or diet, uh, fad, sport, achievement, relationship. None of those things can touch your soul like that and make you well. Uh, there's nothing else that can give you a, a deep joy and an unfading hope, even in the darkest of days. Uh, there is nothing else that will last for eternity. That is what Jesus offers. And so do you want to get well? If you want to be, uh, you can be forgiven uh, and made new right now. Uh, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have of Jesus, like this man. Uh, but you need to respond to him uh, and ask to be healed. Uh, and you need to ch turn from chasing all those false pools, all those things that you've put your hope in, uh, and seek to follow Jesus instead. And for those of us here today who are already following Jesus, uh, I think we'll find that the more we grow as Christians, uh, and the more we get to know our own hearts, the more we find in our hearts that needs healing, don't we? And the more we realize that we so easily put our hope in the wrong things, uh, things that cannot satisfy us or make us well. Uh, and the question is, again, do we want to be healed? Uh, are we willing to ask God to root out the idols in our hearts uh, and the sin uh, and to make us more like Christ? Uh, and do we realize that like this invalid 
Uh, we cannot heal ourselves. Uh, we must cast ourselves on Jesus. There's great blessing and joy in, in clearing those things with God and putting all our hope uh, in the only one who can live up to that weight. You might know uh, the great hymn that says this, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. What a wonderful thing to be able to sing, isn't it? As those who follow Jesus, to be able to know deep down in our soul that we are well. Let's pray to finish. Lord Jesus, we're sorry that we so easily put our hope in the wrong things. Uh, sorry that we um, chase after things, uh, think that other things will satisfy. Uh, when you stand right before us uh, and offer us living water, uh, the bread of life, offer us wellness of soul. Uh, we pray that uh, we might fling ourselves on you once again. Uh, we pray that uh, we'd really long to be made well and to root out uh, our sin and our idols. And we pray, uh, unlike this man, uh, if that's how he, um, how he reacted, we pray that we would be thankful for all that you have done for us, uh, for making us well. And we pray that we might really rejoice in that this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen.